scripture reading for this evening you can find in Romans chapter 8. As we will consider the fatherly care and providence of God, how he works all things together for good for those who love him. I would like to read from chapter 8 of Romans and start at verse 15 to the end. Let's hear the word of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to with the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For the man sees, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely 
give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thus far the word of God to us. Dear congregation, life can be and is often overwhelming, isn't it? What happens throughout the nation, throughout the world, in our school, in your own personal lives, home, work, overwhelming sometimes. I'm sure there are days everything seems to go just fine. And we say, I had such a good day today. Other times, it just doesn't go the way you wanted it to go. It seems everything breaks down or goes wrong or take longer, many obstacles, interruptions, and then we complain, perhaps, I had such a bad day. But what is it, really, that makes a day, your day, my day, a good day or a bad day? Is it really about what happens to us? Or is it perhaps about how we respond to things? About whether or not we are a true Christian, a true believer, or act like one? What is it? Last week, considered Lord's Day 9, the catechism, who God is for the believer. That you may say, this God is my Father for the sake of Christ. 
my Father. Today, as we look at Lord's Day 10, we call to, to stand in awe, to see that the whole universe, from the biggest to the smallest things, events, must work together for the good of the believer. Everything. In Lord's Day 9, you could say, who God the Father is for the believer, who He is. And Lord, they tend tonight with God's help what He does for every believer in Christ. Lord, they tend, you can find in the back of your Psalter, page 38, two questions. And, but I want to do that from the perspective of Romans 8, 28, 29, and the context. We read the Word of God, Romans 8, 28, 29, and we know that all things, and I want to emphasize that, all things, not many, not some, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then Lord said 10, question 27, what does thou mean by the providence of God? And the answer, the almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he upholds and governs heaven, earth, and all creatures, so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, Fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, and all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Question 28. What advantage is it to us to know that God has created and by his providence is still uphold all things? And the answer that we may be patient in adversity thankful in prosperity, and that in all things which may hereafter befall us, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father that nothing shall separate us from His love, since all creatures are so in His hand that without His will they cannot so much as move. Our theme is God's fatherly care. And there's two simple points. Children, you can remember that. His purpose, God's purpose, and number two, our profit, our gain, our advantage. So first then, God's purpose. I don't know if you've noticed when you would read the Belgic or the Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed, rather, that there is a comma after the word Almighty. It took me a while to, to realize that. And a comma, you know what that means. You mean to you pause a moment. So, I believe in God the Father 
comma, almighty, comma, maker of heaven and earth. So it doesn't just say that God is the almighty maker of all things. Of course he is. But it says that he is the almighty. It's with a capital A. It's his name. It's not just an adjective that describes what kind of maker he is. I believe in God the Father. Pause. Almighty. Maker of heaven and earth. It's a proper noun. It's it's his name. Shaddai. Often we see it together with El, God, El Shaddai, God Almighty. The omnipotent one, or omnipotent, all-powerful, all-power, given to Jesus. All-power, all things. You notice already how many times it's being stated. What do you mean, the catechism asks, by the providence of God? And the answer, the almighty and everywhere present of God, the almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, as it were, by his hand, God has no hand, he speaks and it is done, upholds and governs heaven, earth, and all creatures. All of us here. You're not here by chance, but by his fatherly will. The omnipotent or omnipotent or powerful and omnipresent, everywhere present God and power of God upholds all things by the word of his power, we read in Hebrews 1. Not only upholds them, but also governs them. With one goal, one purpose, the glory of God and our good. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But maybe you ask, how can all things work together for good? What about sin? And sinners, what's happening in our country, what's happening throughout the world, how can that be for good? Well, let's use an example in the Bible. Children, you know the story, the history of Joseph. When Jacob, their father, had died, the brothers were so worried that Joseph would take revenge And punish them for selling him as a slave. How can such wickedness, such a bad thing, be for good? Well, the Bible tells us. Perhaps you know what Joseph told them in Genesis 50. But as for you, you thought evil, you planned, you acted evil against me, but God meant it for good. 
to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. God meant it. He didn't just allow it. He meant it for good. He decreed it. He planned it. Yes, these brothers did a terrible thing, but God overruled it for good to save many people alive, to bring Joseph to Egypt so that he become the second ruler and gather all the food under God's providence so that God's people survived the time of famine. God could have done it simply by raining manna from heaven again, but he chose to go through this amazingly complicated way from our perspective. God provides God provides. That's what question 27 asks, right? What do we believe of the providence or the providence of God? Pro vida. Pro means before. Vida means seen. What vida? We have the word video from. We can see that. So to provide is to foresee something and then see to it that it happens. In our catechism, is used the word providence. In the original German, it's literally foreseeingness. It's in the Dutch catechism too, voorzienigheid. So it, it includes both God foreseeing it And also seeing to it that it happens. Take care of every detail. So we see that in Joseph's life, but also in Abraham's life. It's not a good example. Children, you know well, what did did Isaac say when he walked up that mountain with his father? He says, Father, we got the fire, we got the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You know what Abram said to his son in Genesis 22. He says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. In other words, he said to his son, Isaac, God knows. God sees. He will see to it. And God did. Isaac didn't have to die. There was a substitute. There was a, there was a ram stuck in the, in the bushes to die in Isaac's place. And Abram gave that, the name of that place, Jahweh Jireh. God sees. The Lord sees. Provides. And not only see to it, but the amazing thing is that God not only will provide the lamb, but be the lamb. You can read it that way. My son, God will provide himself a lamb. The lamb of God. To take away the sin of the world. What a picture. Abraham saw Jesus' day and he was glad. Jesus quotes that. The ram wasn't there by chance. 
It was foreknown. It was foreseen by God. It was foreordained. It was decreed. It was planned to every detail. And that agrees with Romans 8, 29 and 30. From whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Pre is also before. Predestined. Predestination before time it was destined to be. For study, moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified. Whom he justified, then he also glorified. It's the golden chain of grace from eternity through time to eternity. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. All things. Question 27 lists just some. Herbs and grass, rain and drought, dry spells, fruitful and barren years, rich and failed harvests, meat or food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, and all things, not by chance, not by accident, not by fortune, not by luck, but by his fatherly hand. Fatherly care. All things. Good and bad. What we call good and bad. What we sometimes call good days and bad days. But isn't it amazing if you really consider our sinfulness that we have any good thing at all. Any good thing. Not only that we have above and beyond what many others have in this world, but that we don't deserve it. How often don't we take it for granted? We think it's normal, children. You think it's normal that every day there's food on the table. There are children dying of hunger. It's God's free gift. We don't deserve it. How corrupt our nature that we so often take it for granted. And that we don't really appreciate it till we lose it. Till the Lord takes it away. And then when, when something happens like that, we, we are so ready to complain. Maybe we don't do it with our lips, but how about our thoughts? God knows them too. As if we have a right to these things. I'm sure you can identify with this. Never said that? Oh, why me? Why does it have to happen today? Acting like a victim. Unless, of course, when the Lord has shown us something of our sinfulness, we are amazed that we have any good thing. And that we, even when the bad things happen, say, Lord, why me? Not in a rebellious way, but in a way like, Lord, what is it that I have to learn? Why is this happening? What am I missing? That's why God works all things for good. We just have to prayerfully, depending on the Holy Spirit, discern what the good is. 
in the midst of the good and the bad, so-called. Now, does this mean that all things work together for good for all people? No. A text very clearly says, and it's in agreement with the rest of Scripture, that all things work together for good for those who love God. For those who do not love God, all things work for the opposite, for bad. Earlier in this chapter, we read only one of them in verse Seventeen. Before that, there are several verses with the word if in it. If children and heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. So if not, then we miss out on all these blessings. It goes back to verse 9, which we didn't read. You can read it maybe tonight. But if, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And the word if is repeated a number of times. You see, in Joseph's time, when all these people in Egypt and surrounding nations came to get from from Joseph all that food, many benefited but many benefited only for the body. They got food, yes. They survived the famine and shared in the good that was meant to keep the people of God alive. So the question is not just looking at the good and the bad that comes our way, but the ultimate and the final good, the perspective, It's not just about bread for the body. It's about bread for the soul. Jesus himself, he says, I am the bread. The living bread. The bread of life. He quoted, Jesus did also from Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We have to feed on this word, the bread of life, the water of life. So the Egyptians gathered food in barns. They thought it was for themselves. But the ultimate purpose was simply to keep the people of God alive. To save many among them. But we know too that many perished. purpose was to preserve Israel, to give birth to the Messiah to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. Always for his sake only, Lord's Day 9, and again in this Lord's Day and throughout the Bible, to bring us to the Lord Jesus. All things come not by chance, but by God's fatherly hand. So, dear believer, the Lord, our Heavenly Father, has foreseen everything. There cannot be a need for you and for me that God has not already planned to fulfill. 
I'm not talking about wants. I'm talking about needs. His eternal plan is fulfilled in time. And as sure as His Son has come, so surely you and I will receive all things necessary for soul and body. As surely as He can. That's the good. The purpose. The glory of God. And our prophet. It brings us to a second point. So knowing all that. What do we do with that knowledge? It's about facts. And truth. As you heard about King Asa. To receive all these things. Like they received so many blessings, so we. How do we respond to that? To this, to knowing this purpose of God. To benefit from it. God's providence, His grace, His fatherly care. His almighty, omniscient power and grace. Question 28 asks, what advantage is it to us to know that God has created and by His providence doth still uphold all things? All things. Every blade of grass growing. Just to think about that. That nothing happens by chance. It's meant to cause us to stand in awe before this amazing God who uses his almighty power for good, meant, intended for our good. What profit, what benefit is there then to know that God is in? Control, perfect control. How does it help me today? How does it help you today? In this coming week, when perhaps you're worried about this thing or another, Lord's Day 10 once again shows how personal and practical the Heidelberg Catechism is. It meets us right where we are in our daily life, in the midst of our good days, so-called, and bad days, so-called. It's not for nothing, nothing called a book of comfort. But before we look at the answer of question 28, I just want to remind you of the very necessary connection between believing in God the Father and in God the Son and in God the Holy Spirit. As you heard last week from Lord's Day 9, question 26, What believest thou when thou sayest, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? And the answer, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. 
for the sake of Christ alone. So, dear friend, if you're still an unbeliever, if you're not yet a believer, if you don't have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've not yet repented of your sins and taken refuge to Christ, then all things work together not for your good. Not yet. God is your creator. He is your provider. But not yet your redeemer. The fatherhood of God is not yet to your advantage. It will testify against you unless you repent today of your sins and take refuge to Him, confessing your sins. Lord, forgive me that I'm still trying to control my own life. All things do not work together for your good. All things, every blessing you have received in your lifetime, even the sermons of today, if it doesn't result in you today repenting and believing the gospel, will testify against you forever. God meant it for good. This morning sermon, this evening sermon, God meant it for good. But how have we responded? Unless you repent and believe what the Father says of His Son. I believe you heard that last Sunday. This is my beloved Son. In whom I am well pleased at his baptism, Matthew 3. But then again, almost the same words on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Listen to him. Tune out all the other voices, outside and inside. Listen to him who is the truth. Listen to my son, God says. Then you will be my child. And I will be your father. But dear believer, what is our advantage and profit of knowing that God is our heavenly Father and that He's in control of all things. And there's two things in this, in this catechism, isn't it? The first one is that we be patient in adversity. Adversity. The word adverse means against. Something that goes against our wishes. Something that crosses our path. It's contrary to my plans. It goes against what I want. We can also call it cross-providences, interruptions in our life. We wanted to go their way. We wanted to do this, but something happened, crossing my path, crossing my wishes, my desires. 
something or someone, some event. But we have to go beyond that and don't call it it, but Him. Because He who controls all things made it happen. Not it, but God. It wasn't COVID-19 that interrupted life as we knew it. It was and is God. The Lord our God reigns. He controls all things. And meant for good. That we as a church should repent. That we as a nation should repent and turn back to Him. These things that can happen in our life sometimes are extraordinary. That means very heavy or big or devastating, as COVID-19 was one, or other things in our family when we have to deal with cancer. That's quite a diagnosis. We had all kinds of plans, but cancer has a way of putting reality in our lives, or a loved one in our family dies, and several times we have have experienced this in the weeks gone by. And because it's public, we know it, we pray for each other, bearing each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6. Many of us can Testify how the Lord has given strength and patience and comfort beyond expectation, beyond what what you thought you could handle. God giving us the grace we need when we need it. So some things are public. Many things are private. Many of these cross-providences, burdens to carry, not known by others. Something perhaps you, you only know yourself or your family. Hidden cross, a broken family relationship between husbands and wives, parents and children. Not known and not prayed for publicly. But whatever they are, public or private, known or unknown, they are known to God. He knows. He not only knows, but He foreknew. The very fact that it happens is, is, a, is the evidence that God is in control. If God would have wanted it not to happen, it would not have happened. Whatever they are, it's often extremely difficult, isn't it, to carry them, if not impossible. But Jesus says in Matthew 19, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And that's a striking, repeating thing that comes in this sermon, the all things all things possible. There's no limit 
to what we can ask of God beyond what we can ask or even think or imagine. And that's bringing us back again to our text. All things work together for good that love God. All things. So they can be extraordinary. Devastating. But they can also and often be ordinary daily things. Persistent. Exhausting. Not letting up. Coming back day after day. Is it not so, dear mothers, when it's late in the afternoon and the children are tired and hungry, and so are you, and one gets hurt and cries, and as you take care of that crying child, the phone rings, and as you answer the phone, you, you, you smell that something is burning in the oven. And perhaps for fathers too, when you are on your way home and you had a bad day, maybe a tools broke down or a job fell through or whatever it may be, and you come home and you, you see this consternation in the home and you, you and your wife both say, oh Lord, not now. Please, I can't handle anymore. It's such a bad day. And maybe you ask the question and, and, and wonder, and children, you maybe think that too, or young people, and say, could, could not the Lord have prevented these interruptions to happen? Of course he could. But he did not. Why not? Well, that we would be learning to be patient in adversity. So we practice what we profess to believe. We believe that God is in control. When I ask you the question, when I visit with you, you say, of course God is. He is almighty. He is everywhere present. And yet we wonder sometimes, practically, where is he? What is he doing in my life? What is the purpose of these? How can we profit from these interruptions, these cross-providences, whereby God's providence is something crosses my path? But you see, the word cross-providence is not only about something crossing our path. The purpose is to lead us to the cross of Christ. Maybe we just assume that the word cross-providence has to do with crossing path. But maybe, maybe it was meant to be to bring us to the cross of Christ. Really, verse 28 often is quoted, but when it speaks about called according to his purpose, we stop instead of reading on and reading verse 29, for whom we, he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. To be made like his son. So these cross providences are meant to lead us and bring us to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ for many reasons. Of course, for our salvation, but also to realize what we suffer is nothing compared to what he went through. But 
We're called to look to Jesus. And that means to listen to Him. To hear what He says. To repent and to believe. And then to follow Him. And then as you follow Him, to become more and more like unto Him. That is what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. To be Christ-like in a way of cross-bearing. Fellowship with the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17, if children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. There is no crown without a cross. You see, that's what we're called to do, to look to Jesus. And see how he also dealt with interruptions. Remember when he was on his way one place and then something else happened in between and he was delayed? And the man came and said, my daughter is dying. And then came his widow and took his time. And I can just see the father getting agitated. These interruptions belong to his daily ministry. He did not consider them interruptions. He considered them opportunities. It may well be that what we see as interruptions may be our main task for the day. Because we hadn't planned it, but God did. And not only that we would benefit but that others around us would see how we respond to those things. And if we are truly following the Lord Jesus, how they would recognize something of Jesus in us, that they can see that we have been with Jesus, that they can hear that we have been with Jesus. When you go back to work tomorrow, the way the people see how we respond to things, They'd be witnesses of the Lord Jesus. So patient in adversity is the first prophet. The, se- prophet. the second is to be thankful in prosperity. Maybe you think, oh, it's much easier to be thankful in prosperity, to be happy when I have a good day. Looking at your eyes, to be patient in adversity, yeah, that's a duty. But to be thankful in prosperity, there's got to be a delight. Well, if people would be happier being rich and prosperous, wouldn't America be the happiest nation on earth? You already know the answer. It is not. It clearly does not make people happy to have everything they want and when they want it. It looks like if our nation is one of the most discontented among the world nations. Eger, in Proverbs 30, verse 8, gives us great advice. He says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me neither adversity nor prosperity. Feed me with food convenient for me, just enough 
And why does he ask that? He gives the answer in the next verse. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Prosperity. Lord, no, I, I'm so afraid I will forget thee. Adversity, no, Lord, I'm so afraid I will curse thee. Give me enough for the day. He knew that it is just as impossible to be thankful in prosperity as it is to be patient in adversity. We need the Lord in both. That's why Solomon says in Proverbs 3, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. All our ways. All our ways. In all things. Every event. And not only recognize and acknowledge God's hand, but also thank him for all the blessings that we still have. When we're overwhelmed, we're so prone to, to look at our, our, our difficulties. But even at our worst times, there's so many blessings. Because we can also indeed acknowledge God in a way that is not very godly. Well, it is will, I guess. What can you do about it? Let's grin and bear it. That's not the way. Actually, the opposite. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1, Paul says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. That doesn't necessarily mean for everything. But in your circumstances, give thanks to God. Meantime, pleading for grace to bear whatever trial it is. All things have come. What do you really believe of that? Not by chance, but by God's fatherly hand. And they must all work together for good for those who love God. And as we then, by God's grace, dear believers, to learn slowly, painfully often, to do this, we must learn to commit all things to Him, past, present, and future. That's how the catechism goes on, and that in all things which may hereafter befall us, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father. Our firm trust, as He did in the past as he has proven to be a faithful and good God, true to his word, so he will continue also in the future. If you look at verse 31 and 32, what shall we say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? What can really be against us? As Jacob once said, all these things are against me. They were not. He thought so. They're all for him. As he learned later, 
If God be for us, who can be against us? What can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So as he controls all things, he gives us all things we need to deal with these things. How slow we are to believe. Jesus has to speak to us, isn't he? As he did to these disciples, so fools, so slow of heart to believe all that he has written. So we agree, if you're in a right mind, with the catechism who quotes from Romans 8 that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing. We read the whole list, all these things. What shall separate us from the love of God? And list all these things. Can be summarized in one word. Nothing. Nothing can thwart God's plan. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So all things work together for good. And God gives us all things we need to deal with them. And then he says in verse 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All things that come our way, all things provided, and more than conquerors. But we need to be weak. To depend and lean hard on the strength of God. Paul had to learn that, the thorn in his flesh. So we have to learn that too. In adversity, in prosperity, thinking about the past, dealing with the present, worrying about the future, all things work together for us if indeed we are believers. All things for good, for those who love God. I just want to share a, a little story with you, what happened a couple of years ago when I preached this sermon in Harrison, Arkansas. And um, a couple of days after that Sunday, they had a, a sewer line break and back up into their basement. It was not pretty, as you can imagine. And um, I'm not exactly sure how how much grumbling went on, but their daughter, I don't know how old she was, 12 or 13 or so, she took a big sign, a board actually, a blackboard, and she wrote them, no bad days for believers. And she put it on a chair right at the edge where all the sewer had backed up. This girl had listened. And she realized She reminded her parents that no bad things happen to believers. It was a beautiful opportunity for that family to sit together and talk about it. That's practical. To believe that a bad thing in God's timing and by God's care, He will provide everything we need to deal with it. 
So that's why the Catechism, when it says at the end, since all creatures are so in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move, no sewer can back up if God does not will it. And if it does happen, it's meant for good. So that we would recognize how God deals with every detail in our lives. And the purpose is, as it makes it very plain, that we should look to Christ to become more like Him. By His grace, by His Word, by His Holy Spirit. Is it your desire to be more like Christ? Is it your prayer that everything that happens would bring you back or for the first time to the Lord Jesus Christ? As it is the delight of the Father and the delight of the Son and the delight of the Holy Spirit to guide us in these ways. The question is, is it yours? And you know you cannot do it in your own strength. No one can. But it need not either. God has provided everything. And even in addition to that, we read two things. One, we read about the Holy Spirit. Verses 26 and 27. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities, upholds our weakness. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself or Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. According to the will of God, verse 27. So within us, the Holy Spirit, if we're believers, making intercession for us. And then we read later in the chapter, verse 34. Who is he that condemns? Is it Christ that died? Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us? We have all the resources, the Father's goodness, the Son's intercession, the Holy Spirit's intercession. Everything to deal with what comes our way. To deal with how God wants us to know Him as the God of all provision, all comfort, all grace. Almighty. Omnipotent. Omniscient. Omnipresent. The Holy Spirit taking his abode in in the heart of every believer. The Lord Jesus, without ceasing, interceding for us. Let's take that home and reflect upon it. So what is a good day? What's a bad day? Not about our good days and bad days. And dear unbelieving friend, if you have not yet repented and believed in the Lord Jesus, you've had not yet a good day. Every day is a bad day if it doesn't bring you 
to Christ. And believers, no matter what happens, every day is a good day for you. Because God works all these things. We know. So let that knowledge sink in. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. Gracious God, we marvel at thy goodness, thy power, thy directing everything, no matter how big or small it is, or appears to be in our view. Oh, Lord, grant that we would, if we have not yet repented and believed in the Lord Jesus, do so even right now in our hearts and minds. Say, Lord, I'm sorry that I keep on trying to be in control of my own life. Help me to surrender it, Lord. What fool I am to continue in this way. But Lord, for those that have repented, that they may repent again and say, Lord, I'm so sorry too for having to continually be reminded that I am not in control and that I need not be in control. That thou art in perfect control all the time. Help me to say, Lord, not yes, but... But yes, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.